by Cool Black, by the NSA, RIAA, and a load of other names having acronyms. Lock down the windows and doors, because they are about to be blown off the hinges. Direct from the Fury Media Studios, this is the Vince Wild Program. Well, as if you didn't think life was getting too complicated enough, suddenly I'm back. And now you feel crunchy, don't you? Well, Vince is gone. That's pretty much the end of that. This is a nice ride while they lie. He must have retired. I mean, he, he had to have been making trillions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And now I, I don't know where he is, but he's gone. Well, not quite. Not quite. But I'm here. I'm back. After a few years off, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it because, you know, it was getting bad, but now it's gotten worse. Like, how do you have a civilized conversation with anybody when everybody's everybody in the room is an expert? If everybody in the room is an expert, there's no conversation to be had. The problem is, is that not everybody in the room is actually an expert. In fact, I would wager a guess that none of them are experts. But, hey, you know, at least we're arguing. Is that is that progress? Is that what that's called? Because I don't know. Okay, I don't know. There's a list of things Vince knows that's not on the list. And, and, and people get so emotionally dug in. Oh, my gosh. You know, to whatever it is that they are, you know, that they support. You know, it doesn't matter. It could be, you know, I'm for the liberation of rodents, you know. And then somebody else realizes that's how the Black Plague started. And then you just get two people throw down like it's a cage match on pay-per-view on Sunday night. On WWF, I will never accept WWE. Stupidest. How does an organization as established as the WWF suddenly have to change its name because of people that like animals? I, hey, I like animals too. But may, have you considered maybe you have one or two dollars more than you need if you're able to engage a lawsuit with a wrestling organization? I digress though. So I, I said, all right, I'll make my big comeback, but it's going to be different. First of all, um, I am an ordained minister. 
But before anybody out there gets excited or off-put, let me just lay the ground rules here. Uh, I ain't your mama's minister. Okay? Um, I happen to agree with the mission statement of the First Heavy Metal Church of Christ. Love the hell out of people. And, okay, if you want to say that's a fine line, whatever, but it's going to enable me to do this show knowing I'm a minister and knowing that I'm doing the best I can to represent my faith. Because this is the brand. I've tried other things, but this is the brand right here. This has always been the brand. So it stands to reason that the two should should simply be intertwined. So here are the ground rules. One, um, I don't care if you drink alcohol or smoke. Don't care. In fact, you know what? Um, there you go. There it is. Okay? Second, um, I'm probably more like fisherman, less like synagogue teacher. So, here's the thing. I look around, and I see everything that's going on, and I don't know how people are missing the parallels. It's almost as if the powers that be, the elites, that includes, you know, high-powered, super-rich, own-a-couple-private-island bankers and company owners and so forth, and politicians are both basically the same evil. You know, they've linked arms, and they're both practically using Daniel and Revelation as a playbook. End of story. I've done my time arguing with atheists. I don't see the point, you know. If, if they want to believe, they'll believe. If they don't, they don't. Uh, excuse making is not my thing. Here are some more ground rules. What this show will not be. I'm not going to sit here and give sermons. If you want to hear sermons, you need to go look for Endgame. It's on Spotify. That's where my preaching is done. This is going to be a few things. One, it's going to be all about heavy metal. I'm a heavy metal guy. I love heavy metal. And no, I don't just listen to Christian metal. There are some bands I won't listen to. I won't listen to bands like Demu Borger. Anybody that glorifies Satan... Uh, can take a dump in a hat and wear it because I'm done. There's absolutely no reason to give that clown any time of day because he's a he's a jackass. End of story. And if there's anything that I can accomplish as a human being, it's kicking him around as much as he has kicked me around. And sometimes that just comes down to loving the hell out of people, which I do. I see so many people hurt for you know multiple different reasons unaccepted, unloved. I can't stand it. I can't stand hypocritical first world Christianity. It drives me absolutely bananas. I think a lot of Christians are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And I don't have time for them. Okay, if you want to keep playing religion, fine, but you've built a house on sand. That's it. I went out to... uh, KCF a couple months back 
It was not the unmitigated success I was hoping for. Um, this, the concert itself was great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, boy, they did a terrible job. They did a great job. They did an absolutely phenomenal job with KCF. It was great. It was well-organized and so forth. A little advice for me, if you're going to give people Gatorade on one of the hottest days of the year, maybe more than a shot. I mean, I'm telling you, they had those tiny little bottles. I don't even know why Gatorade comes in bottles this small. If you're replenishing hydration and electrolytes, you might need more than a sip. This, this, is what, it, this is what they had. It forced my wife and I, we had to go out. We had to purchase uh, real Gatorade bottles because we were completely dehydrated. Our tent was a disaster. Our tent was not easy to assemble. Uh, no bonus points for that. That had nothing to do with KCF, though. That was just a crappy manufacturer that, you know, whatever. The tent was great. It was waterproof. It was wonderful uh, once you got it up. While we were there, we got to hobnob with some great people, you know. Um, Angel Machine was there. We got to hang out with them. We got to hang out with Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh. Yeah. They've been on tour, uh, and they've, uh, they've uh, played with Chris Jericho who's now a Christian, by the way. I know people are like, yeah, you don't need to. look at his past. He can't possibly be a Christian. Oh, just shut up. The people say the same thing about Alice Cooper. You can't change who you were. Well, then you're screwed. Yeah. Oh, you might, um, might want to rethink that. That doesn't bode well for you at all. Because if you think you're better than Alice Cooper based on your past, I got news for you. Bible doesn't say, uh, well, you know, some sins are okay. Uh, when you get saved, we could forget those, but other ones, no. The Bible says there's only one unforgivable sin. That includes Alice Cooper and his drinking and drug use. If he did that, I'm not even sure. But his testimony now is solid. All right, he's in a band with Johnny Depp. You don't think some witnessing goes on there? And Johnny Depp. Oh my gosh, Hollywood Vampires is phenomenal. Anybody that says otherwise is another person that can once again go take a dump in a hat. Because I'm not having it. No. Nobody, and I, I cannot stress this enough, nobody is too far gone to be accepted and to be forgiven. Nobody. This may be unpopular, but that includes Hitler. Now, I find it highly unlikely that in his last moments on this planet, he confessed Christ and died saved. But the possibility remains, and people don't want to hear that. They don't want to, oh, Hitler, he killed millions. True. And it's despicable. But that's how dark it gets that you can still come back. And it's important that people hear that. Okay? My job is not to tell you you're sinning. Okay, I never wanted that responsibility. It's not a conversation I want to have, and I can't look under your heart. However, God can, and God's a really great heart surgeon. He's the best in existence, and I'm not. Okay? I don't even like gizzards in my gravy. But that is how it rolls for me. So I'm hoping to do a lot of things with this show. I want to bless the heavy metal community, whether they play Christian metal or not. I want to I want to tear it apart. In a few weeks, I'm hoping to bring Ben back. 
Oh, yeah. You remember him and me? It was a hilarious show. We started getting decent downloads. And then, uh, unfortunately, the AM Podcast Network kind of dropped out of sight because he got discharged from the military and didn't have his, the income that he had before. So, unfortunately, Adam Mulholland is not somebody I can work with anymore. But he was great. He was good at what he did. He was getting people exposure. He was getting them seen. And then, you know, what happened, happened. And then you've got, you know, these big networks. I it just no. Just no. You know, yeah, I get it. You know, you've got you've got Stone Cold Steve Austin, good for you. Um, but to me, content has to be four square. I mean, it, or, or or threefold, fourfold. I don't know. It has to have a lot of aspects to it. It has to be and it's got to be something that encompasses multiple things because i can't just sit here and listen to somebody bloviate for two hours about movies and yeah yeah i'm talking about my rivals you know who, who you know who they are i'm not going to name them but you know who they are all ego no substance you know podcasts that fail to deliver substance are basically being done for the entertainment of the podcast creator which is stupid because, I mean, why do it? Just record yourself on a little recorder and then play it back for yourself. Well, yeah, but we've, we're out there. Yeah, you're out there uh, and you suck. Look, any, any moron can, you know, hook up a microphone and talk. Anybody. There are plenty that do it. Okay, there's even a few people on terrestrial radio that do it. Uh, another rival of mine that's on a radio station in Indianapolis you would think I like him. Super conservative guy. All about. I don't agree with half of what he says because it doesn't come from the right place. You know, head uh, tucked firmly in hindquarters. He's just not somebody I agree with. I don't agree with anybody 100%. You know what I agree with? The Bible. That's it. What the Bible says, I always find myself quoting it, sometimes absent mindedly. Now, it's true that I will do that. With movies, yeah, sure, all the time. I love to quote movies. It's it's part of it's interwoven into my normal everyday communi communication. But I also do it with the Bible. Sometimes, like I said, absentmindedly, Psalms, Proverbs, even ecclesiastical outpourings. It's it's completely. It needs to be more inter interwoven than it is, but it's a good place to be. So, I mean, you know, hey, um, let's just be honest with ourselves, you know. I like honesty. You know, and I appreciate it. Even if I think you're a jerk when you're delivering it, at least you're being honest. There has to be something, though. Okay. <sighs> So what's going on in the world right now? Well, it depends on how you want to look at it. I saw Elvis. The uh, Elvis movie. That was actually really good. Now, to give you a perspective of how good I think it was. Um, so I brought my wife. My wife, normally when we watch a movie, she'll start zoning out and fiddling with her phone. She's never 100% invested in a movie. It's just the way she is. I've accepted it. I'm not going to say... I love couples. You're like, well, hey, why aren't you paying attention to the movie? 
what do you care? She said yes. You're married and she loves you. Stop nitpicking. But Elvis is two hours and 40 minutes long. So it's not quite Lord of the Rings, but it's getting there. She was glued to the screen for all two hours and 40 minutes. In fact, she got annoyed when she had to get up uh, partway through and use the bathroom. Because they give you a 55-gallon drum of cola. And then, you know, a five-gallon pail of popcorn. And you're just like, you're munching and you're drinking. And, you know, you're going to get up at some point. But it was great. It was absolutely great. It made me appreciate his music because growing up, I had always pictured Elvis as this weird caricature. Dressed really outrageously, was probably way too into himself. But at the end of the day, no, he was really into, he wanted to make music. And he appreciated a lot of black music. And he brought a lot of it to the white community, much to the chagrin of a lot of racists back in the day. But hey, what are you going to do? And it was a great movie. I highly recommend. Easily one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I don't say that lightly. You know, I'm a Star Wars guy. Okay? Um, I'm not in the camp of, oh, the prequels. My God. The prequels. You know, George Lucas ought to be drawn and quartered. I'm not in that camp. But I'm also not in the camp of the prequels were the greatest thing ever. They were entertaining. I enjoyed them. Okay? Same with all the new Star Wars. I can't be an elitist. I can't sit there and, well, you know, they, the canon is all off now, thanks to Disney. It's a friggin' made-up story about a fictional place and time. And this is my whole problem with, with our society right now. Everything is like that. Can we not? Holy crap on a crutch. This, this is not hard. You go to the movies to escape. We don't need to go on Facebook while we're at the movie and have a debate about it. The second rule I have is let people enjoy things. Somebody says, I just saw the new Star Wars movie. You know, The Rise of Skywalker. I thought it was great. And there's, uh, there's immediately going to be somebody. Oh, boy. Let me tell you everything my expert ass knows about Star Wars and why it was terrible. Scandalous. Once again, more people that can take a dump in a hat and wear it. Because, honestly, it was fun. We're not able to enjoy movies anymore because we're, we're too busy trying to compare it with something. It's, it's just stop. Nobody asked you. All right, if that's what you want to do, go, go find an echo chamber. Some people just want to enjoy things, and we don't need it ruined by somebody else. But given that, I enjoy movies by and large. I've only seen a... I could count them on one hand how many movies I've seen and thought, wow, I'm never going to get that two hours back. Hour and a half, whatever. I can usually find value in every single thing I watch. Exceptions to that rule. Silent Hill. Why? No good guys. Not one good guy. The movie was just complete... Everybody was out for themselves. It was terrible. Didn't like it. That one always comes to mind first. There's probably uh, others that I really didn't like. But honestly, I pretty much enjoy anything I go to see. If I've spent, you know, my $6 for the matinee because I won't go. I don't want to be around people and their kids. And if you don't go to a matinee during the week, there are going to be kids. And unless you're going to see, you know, the animated cat beat up on the animated dog for an hour and a half. 
the kids probably aren't going to be very engaged and they're going to be tormenting other people in the theater. And you're not allowed to dump the pop your popcorn on their head. First of all, I mean, you paid $22 for that five-gallon pail. So, I mean, you know, you don't want to waste your money. But beyond that, you'll get thrown out of the theater. Yeah, I know. It's not the, uh, it's not the 60s anymore. So I want an experience where maybe there's... I don't even care if the theater's full. I just don't want there to be people there that make the experience miserable for everybody else. I'm not about that. You know, I've got to be able to enjoy the movie without being distracted by some nitwit. That and the guy that's got Ebola virus and for some reason has opted to go to the movies that day. People, when you're sick, stay home. Now, this is... I'll get to that in a minute. Oh, I just, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Elvis, great movie. Fantastic. I recommend you go see it. It's worth even paying the full price to go see it. I don't think it's in 3D. Honestly, I don't know why you'd want 3D. But some people are about, I want the Omni experience. Good for you. Go go crazy. Pay your $22. I'm perfect. Look, the movie screen is wider than my house. Okay. So <laughs> I'm not getting that experience at home. And I, they've got a surround sound system I could never build. I'd have to take I'd have to commandeer the neighborhood. Well, I guess I'm putting in surround sound. I had to get all these, you know, clearances uh, for construction and public nuisance and I I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. So it was great. The music was great. There's always complaints, you know, because they mixed in more modern stuff. I didn't care. You know, I, I didn't think it really worked with um, that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, The Great Gatsby. I didn't think it worked. I think they should have maybe have Big big Bad Voodoo Daddy or, you know, the Brian Setzer Orchestra do some modern interpretations of songs. But throwing in the weird hip hop, The Great Gatsby, just it was like it completely took you away from the movie. You know, just not for me, you know. Maybe I'm nuts. No, I am nuts. I know I am. But what are you going to do? This is a bunch of hogwash. Yeah, it is. So, let me see. What else? There's so much catching up to do. I feel like, um, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm hungry, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cooking. Uh, do I want to talk about the, 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 well, the food prices. Um, so, f for some reason, and this bothers me, shrinkflation. And this is one of those things that falls into territory where people say, oh, here we go with the conspiracy theories. But there's no theory to be had. This is factually what happens every time that there is, you know, any kind of inflation. Com now, let me preface this with this. Two things I know. I want my Zoomers and Millennials to sit down because this is really important that you understand this because you will realize it in 30 years or 20 years and uh, you'll have some young kid telling you it's, it's the Mandela effect or whatever and you'll be like, Mandela? Isn't he the guy from Africa or someplace? And it's not. So, because <laughs> that's what I said. But, um, so, okay. In the 1980s, Twinkies were bigger at least by one quarter than they are now. Susie Q's were practically a mattress and they were loaded with cream. And I used to get them at summer camp 
my mother would pack me my lunch, and then at lunchtime, I'd open it up and see what my mother gave me. Probably the only kid that was like, oh, yes, I got liverwurst. But I loved liverwurst. To this day, I love liverwurst. You know, it was just one of those things I really enjoyed, and I still do. And also the fluffernutter sandwich, because I'm from New England, and we got that, and peanut butter and jelly. And then the snack cake. Now, I wasn't a fan of ding-dongs or ho-hos. There were three things I wanted to see in that lunchbox. Twinkie, Susie Q, or the chocolate cupcakes. They were bigger. All three across the board were bigger. Okay? Every time there's inflation, large companies like Hostess increase the price of the item you're purchasing, which I would be fine with. I mean, you've got to somehow make that money back when the costs of everything is is going through the roof. However, what I'm not okay with is at the same time reducing the size of said product. Because I figure in another 15 to 20 years, we're going to have to get a loan to purchase an empty cardboard box with a logo on it that used to be the treat that we used to like to eat. You'll get a cheese cube and expect to make macaroni and cheese with a cheese cube. A cube. I think it's completely corrupt. You've got to. You, I, I get that you have to raise the price during inflation because the price of you know shipping trucks are our truckers are are spending thousands on fuel. Okay, the price has to go up. I'm fine with that, but it's so corrupt and so underhanded and so sleazy to also reduce the amount of product you're selling. 1996 and 97, I had my first apartment, and I practically lived on macaroni and cheese. One box was five cups of a prepared serving. Some of these companies are now doing 2.5. They've cut the amount of macaroni and cheese you get in half over the last 30 years or near 30 years. In half. I also used to get my macaroni and cheese. It was like five for a dollar, six for a dollar. I think it was six for a dollar. Or, you know, 15 to 20 cents per box. Not anymore. They've increased the price and decreased the amount. Now you have to, if you want macaroni and cheese from the box like you used to get it in the 90s, you have to buy three boxes if you're serving two people. Or... You can be completely sneaky and just buy some elbow macaroni and re-add the missing amount back in, which is what I do. Because I can make the cheese spread, not a problem, but they give you two and a half cups and that's what you're dealing with. I don't know how this kind of activity is, is, is allowed. I, I have no idea. It drives me nuts because it's, you know, it's like I said, it, it, it sends the signal that in a few years they're just going to say, you know what? Nobody gets any food. They can just get a loan from the bank, give us $25,000 and we'll give them an empty box. Some now this is where the conspiracy theory territory steps in and says, wait, 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 wait. This is the beginning of communism. First, you create a problem, then you solve it and come to the rescue. I absolutely believe the government's in that business. 
Okay, it's the only reason that you can watch the news and suddenly during an election year, the Supreme Court randomly decides, let's take a look at um, the abortion laws. And um, Roe versus Wade and out of nowhere, to what purpose will that serve? Well, it'll divide people because people are emotionally invested either way. And then they start fighting. Only now, it's getting violent. In some places, there are people throwing punches. Because this is a woman's right to choose. It's a baby's right to live. And they butt heads. Each time one of these issues is dug up, it serves the purpose not of taking another look at an important issue, like the talking head on the 6 o'clock news would tell you, It's about, let's get these people to fight more. Eventually, it becomes an out-of-control problem that the government has to solve through force. That I believe. And the reason I believe that is other countries have done similar things throughout history. Create a problem and then step in and solve it. Look like the hero and you can fundamentally change the political landscape of your country. It's happened time and time again. And sometimes all you, sometimes the water's not boiling, it's not even tepid. You have, to, you have to bring it up to a boil. In cases like Germany, Germany was in a, in a disaster zone after the First World War. So somebody like Hitler wasn't going to have a hard time rising up. But in America, we've always had it pretty good. Up until the 80s, we had it really good. But in 1913, the government threw us overboard. And by us, I mean everybody. Because we used to be on a gold standard. That's when it all started going downhill. Do you realize in the 1800s there were people that were born, lived their entire life, and died and never had a single coin in their pocket? That's a fact. The government wasn't saying you have to pay your property tax, which made you have to go get a job that made some kind of you know, income so you could pay that extortion money. And uh, you basically, if you could farm it, If you could kill it, you could eat it. And then some nitwit, I believe it was in the same time period as the Federal Reserve being established, invented the grocery store. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but Vince, they had their food markets. Yeah, they did in city areas, sure. But the people that lived in the cities back then were a little bit more wealthy and well-to-do for the most part, there's always poverty in every city. It's, you know, people think, well, if I can't make it, I can go beg. And that's going to draw them to the cities because that's where the people with the money are. Who, by the way, never want to part with it. But that's, that makes no never mind to us. That's none of our business, right? So, okay. People in the country had no want. Unless there was, you know, a famine or something. You know, a drought that would play a role. And that was throughout the 1800s up through and until the Victorian era. And then things took a turn. We saw the introduction of the grocery store. People don't realize how pivotal, how pivotal this was. The grocery store. We don't think about it because it's just been part of our life. It's been part of my life. I mean, I remember as a little kid going to the grocery store and not getting the box of Twinkies. So my mother had already bought me the box of cookies, and I wasn't going to run around the house like a, you know, coked-out nitwit with all the sugar in my blood that was making me completely psychotic. 
I didn't understand that at the time. I just wanted both, the cookies and the Twinkies. But I wasn't getting them. And so we grew up with the supermarket. It was part of our weekly routine. We went to the store. We purchased food. We went home. But that's a relatively new phenomenon. And it does some things that I really don't like. One of the things it does is it makes us dependent on somebody else. Not ourselves. Now I can go out in the yard and I can grow some, some uh, what do they call that? So bok choy because it grows anywhere and, you know, it's full of nutrients so it's easy to grow. I can grow some tomatoes. They're relatively easy if you get enough container. So forth. Not a problem. But I don't have enough property to own livestock. And livestock, oh, what do you know, comes with a price tag attached to it that's pretty steep. They have... slowly over the course of a hundred and some odd years, taken the entire way of life that we used to know that was self-sufficient and largely void of want, a lot more void than it is now, that's for sure. And they've completely flipped it so that it is nothing but the danger of facing want. Don't lose your job. You lose your house. Even if you own it, you can't pay the property tax. The government's going to come in and seize it. Does that tell you that maybe you don't own anything? The government can come in and take your house, even if you've it's been in the family for 100 years. They can still take it because they decided, hey, these people should pay us extortion money for property they allegedly own. And everybody's just okay with it. Not only that, it's almost like Stockholm Syndrome because people come around, they're like, oh, this, I mean, there's public schools. There's public schools, and they're clearing the roads from the snow. They don't, they don't do that out here. And I don't have any kids, so I'm not contributing. I'm contributing money out of my pocket in taxes, not necessarily property tax, for services that I don't get or don't use. But I still have to pay them, just like everybody else. And on and on and on and on. It's completely backwards. 100 years, and it all changed. Nine, it's, it's, it's over 100 years because it was 1913 they established the Federal Reserve, which created a system of debt. I mean, you can research this all for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it, but it's absolutely what happened. Credits, owing money, getting loans for property. You, you know, there was a one point in our country where the government would issue you a voucher. You're like, all right, you can have 10 acres of land out in Wyoming. Boom, that is yours. They weren't saying they owned it. They were just solidifying your stake so that somebody else couldn't come along and say, well, I saw it first, so screw you. The government was saying, find this, find a parcel of land. This is the amount you can have. And if anybody gives you any crap, we'll come out there and we'll deal with it. That's what that was about. Okay? Worked great. Now, uh, no. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine trying to buy a house in this market. I can't. I mean, it's, you know, let's um, put ourselves in debt for the next 30 years for a $500 house that's sold for $75,000 40 years ago. That's crazy. And it also points to there's too many cooks stirring the pot because when you get all these people that are trying to tell you how it is you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z, the only thing that you've got is people that are somehow making money some way. I will tell you uh, as a minister, this is not what God intended. 
Okay, when it says in the Bible, if a man doesn't work, he won't eat, it's not talking about sitting in a cubicle and making a paycheck. It literally means getting down, getting dirty, planting crops, raising livestock, because it's cause and effect. If you don't do those things, in the Old Testament especially, you don't eat. There's no food for you to have. You have to work to feed yourself. Sitting in a cubicle isn't working. It's just collecting profits so that you can go buy things that you should be doing yourself anyway. And don't get me wrong, I understand that people in the city can't necessarily do this on a large scale. But I have friends that live in the city that do. It's possible. And everybody could be involved. You know, there's uh, there's people trying to start city gardens. There's people doing what they call hydroponic gar- gardening, where you hang the plants rather than plant them in the ground. There's raised bed gardening. I mean, there's so many different ways. Then that leads you to landlords, which is my next subject. Now, there I'm going to preface this. There are exceptions to the rule. However, as somebody that's been a renter since 1996... I can tell you that over the last 30 years, I have witnessed landlords go from people that are renting you a piece of property to live in, which is nuts that we do that, but whatever, um, to renting you a piece of property that they expect payment for and they don't ever want to hear from you. I don't, I can't, my first landlord was, uh, he's not like Foghorn Leghorn. It was it was unbelievable. He'd come in uh, on rent day. I say I say I need the rent, son. I mean I'm not kidding you. He's from West Virginia originally, and he sounded like that. And um, he would come in and get his rent. But he would also come by and fix things. Fast forward 10 years, I'm living with my friend Darren in an apartment, which was on its last legs. I mean, it's torn down now, if that tells you anything. But it was the winter, and the door literally fell off the hinges to the front. And our landlord said, I'm not coming out to do that. Hire somebody and take it out of the rent. You might say, well, you were compensated. Shouldn't have had to do that. First of all, who am I hiring during a snowstorm in January? Who's coming out in a snowstorm where they've shut down the roads because that was the condition outside? Who? Fortunately, Darren's brother, I think it was Jason, uh, knew some things. So he came out and fixed the door. But that was just to, to the tip of the iceberg. Fast forward again. It is now 2009. 2010, somewhere in that vicinity. And I'm living in another apartment in Worcester, Massachusetts. This landlord fixes nothing. You can call him a hundred times. Not happening. One time, the ceiling literally caved in, in the bathroom, because the people upstairs had a leaky toilet. It took him two weeks to get somebody out there to work on it. 
here's another piece of information. That landlord takes all of his rental income and invests it in his B-movie company. There's pictures of him attending red carpet events in Hollywood. And he's completely funding it off the backs of people in his slums. Because every building he owns is a slum. Rent is now not viable. And when you trace this all back, you're just like, okay, wait. Let me have a look at the big picture. So let's do that. It is cheaper to maintain a mortgage and pay for a house. Let's say you get a fixer-upper and you pay a hundred grand for it, and you you know you get your deal and it's like something ridiculous, like two hundred and fifty dollars a month. It's way way manageable, okay? And yeah, you got to fix the house up, but you've got money to spend because you're no longer paying some clown twelve hundred a month for what I like to call a concrete filing cabinet, which is one of those places. Um, they've got a building and they've got like a hundred units and they all have, they all share one of three floor plans, depending on if it's one bedroom, two bedroom or three bedroom. And that's what you got. Okay. And you're paying 1200 a month and they never come by except to do, you know, lawn maintenance or whatever. And you wonder if, if you sit down and you actually, you know, take out your paper and you, you add up how much money they're making per apartment per whatever, and then you figure out what the landscaping costs, well, the bottom line is you figure out somebody is pocketing a ton of money. And then you've got landlords that own, who are private landlords, that own maybe two or three houses. So they're not, they don't own concrete filing cabinets, they own old Victorians or whatever, where they can put two or three families in the building. These are the guys that give landlords the, the worst name. The guys in the, in the complex will come out and fix things. They're pretty good at it. But the price for the offset of the price versus the repairs they're going to have to do because they keep them pretty updated doesn't work out on paper. You know, you're like, they could probably charge a lot less for this. Then, then you get to the guys that own the old Victorians and, and the old buildings and whatnot. And you're like, okay. So I'm paying this guy about $1,000 a month. I have to cover my own utilities. And just to get him to come out and fix his refrigerator that came with the unit he's giving me a hard time fights you on everything so you're like all right i'll buy a house oh so this is the thing see you have to come up with a certain percentage and i should get together with my friend mary cordial and do a real estate show to really break down the 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 good and the bad So you have to come down with a percentage of a deposit. Now, if you've never purchased a home before, that can be done. Um, What do they call the FHA loan, I think it is? It's called the FHA loan. So you're a first-time house buyer, and you get this loan. And it's a lower deposit, but it's still a ridiculous deposit. I mean, we're not talking about $5 down and uh, $200 a month. They'll get you into this $100,000 ranch. We're talking like they want like $20,000 down. I don't know about you, but in this economy, I don't have, you know, $20,000 just lying around that I'm looking to burn. If I had $20,000, I'd be guarding it with a shotgun. But I'm practical like that, you know. It's what I do. So you got to come up with that. And then there's insurance and closing costs. and, And then there's the property tax, which we already talked about. 
so it's cheaper to have a mortgage, but the amount of garbage you have to do to get the mortgage is astronomical. This is why millennials are complaining. This is why Zoomers, who are now starting to get into that area, are, are complaining. <clears throat> because you can't win. You're either going to get taken to the cleaners by a landlord. And there are some good landlords out there that are reasonable with what they're asking. They've actually done the math and figured out what it is to take a little in their pocket along with service the place and do it correctly. Okay? So maybe some of them are too nice. But the market as a whole is is completely overinflated for what you get now. If you're going to charge me, you know, 1200 a month, I expect you to kick in the utility as part of it. You know? Especially if I'm living in a concrete filing cabinet. I've got friends that have to cover their own electric and their own heat in one of these big complexes. I don't understand it. They're all coming in off the same pole in the same unit with the same wiring that's sectioned off into private units. Why is this not part of my rent? That would be the appeal to me. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to pay $1,200 a month, but that's it. My heat and everything is covered. No. Nope. Yep. Your, your utilities are your problem. I, were, I lived in one place... Uh, that was in a unit like this in t 2007 and uh, I had to cover my own water bill. Are you friggin cereal? I, it's the only time I've ever had to cover a water bill. And why is there a water bill? Isn't water like the most plentiful resource on the planet? I don't know. Well, it's a little sketch, I think. But you get the point. You know, it's it's not... The whole thing, is it's almost like they want us to rent as, a, as opposed to own property. I mean, especially when you consider, consider clowns like Ben Buys Indie Housing. This guy, Ben. <laughs> so this is what the, these investors do. You've got Tim buys this housing and Brad buys that housing. These are called real estate investors. Half of them purchase the houses, flip and put them back on the market. And, and the, because they're an investor and they have lots of money, they can outbid anybody. That's the whole appeal is you'll get your house sold quickly and for more than it's worth, which is not really helpful to the real estate market at all and why it's in a bubble right now. But the other half flips the house and then puts it on the, pro, uh, on the market as a rental only. This takes away a piece of the American dream. Now, these guys figure, I'm rich, you're not, I can do it. There's too many people on the planet right now that have that particular thought process. Well, I'm rich and you're not. Or I'm rich and they're, they're not. So I, I, and there's people, I, I should make all the calls for society. I should be, I should be making the calls because I have the money. And obviously, because I have the money, that means I'm smart. Because I'm smart, I have more education. And those people are all dumb. This is an actual mindset. This isn't me speculating. This is how people are thinking right now. If people on Facebook think they're smarter than you about a subject based on absolutely no information about your background, just imagine what that super powerful guy with the three yachts and the one private island is thinking. It ain't going to be good. It's certainly not going to be like the founder of Caterpillar. Do some research, research on him. He was a good guy. Not now. Not anymore. 
So I get it. You know, I'm fortunate. My landlord is fantastic. He, I call him. He's over here. And my rent is more than reasonable. But I will tell you that I shudder at the idea of having to look for any kind of property. Because then you get into employment. As a Gen Xer, one of the things that just pisses me off is to hear a boomer talk about you should have two or three jobs because that's what I did. It's, it's not the 60s anymore, man. Look, you got, you know, the morning job and it was the same every week. That's not how retail works anymore. You know, they want carte blanche. They want to be able to manufacture your schedule based around their needs and how they're doing business, not based on what your needs are. They'll, they all put flexible schedule. It's a load of crap. They don't mean, it's not a flexible schedule. Just stop. Ugh. <laughs> I'm boned. Yeah. It's not a flexible schedule. Okay? If you can manage to squeeze in a second job, you're going to be burning the candle for both ends at some point. So when I hear somebody telling, you know, a millennial, this is how you do it, it's not. And it hasn't been in my lifetime. It hasn't. Not anymore, you know. Look, I hear you. You know, you want a better fair wage. And I would add something to that. Or have some freaking consistency in your scheduling. We did it for 80 years and all of a sudden now you can't do it. Now you need to be able to schedule me closing on this day and opening on this day, which just burns people out. And the other problem is, is there is no loyalty. You can be bumped down to part time because somewhere in the fine print of your contract, it says they can do that. If let's just say they have to transfer somebody from another store, you work for AutoZone and they got a manager who's just moved from friggin Wyoming. I don't know why I picked Wyoming again, but I did. So they move him in and they say, hey, uh, you know, Tim, yeah, just bump Tim down because he's been there less time than this manager. Now, the difference between now and then, then if you were transferring from another store, it wouldn't matter if you had you had seniority or not. You didn't have seniority in the new location you were going to. And they consider that starting over because you got a new market, new people and new way of doing business, even if, if it's even if it's the same industry. Not anymore. And there's, not, there's, no, there's no recourse. You can't do anything about it. That's the market millennials are dealing with. No loyalty. You know, no, no ethical behavior whatsoever. People do what they want. Companies do what they want. Because they have all the money. And, and, and I hear people talk about, oh, benefits. You know, the benefits, yeah, to get uh, medical. Have you seen the medical benefits offered by even the good companies? It's terrible. It's absolutely horrible. And I know people say that's why we need universal health care, but here's the problem. Health care as an industry is what I call a wrecked pinto. The car's got a seized engine. You know, the rocker panels are rusty, so forth and so on. I'm not talking about the medical, the HMOs, and the plans that pay for all of it. I'm talking about the actual medical industry. It's a totaled Pinto or a wrecked Pinto. What universal health care proponents want to do is say, well, 
You just don't have to pay for the wrecked Pinto anymore. It'll be on a universal plan. Everybody pays the same via their taxes. So you are technically paying, but I digress. But you still are dealing with the wrecked Pinto, you know. And when I'm, I, I'm not saying the healthcare industry is not good at what they do. I'm, t- I'm saying that their billing process, the way they handle patient intake, those are all parts of it, you know. Um, how you prioritize this one over that one. How, how many times have you been in an emergency room? And you're, you know, you're throwing up things that you ate 30 years ago. But people keep getting in front of you and getting seen first. How many times have you heard that? That's like a story as old as time itself. That's the part of the wrecked Pinto. The HMO can't do anything about that, no matter what they charge. And it all enters into it. So we're going to hand a wrecked Pinto to everybody, and they're still going to have the same crappy service, but at least they can afford the crappy service, but it's not going to get better. And the things that cost a lot, you know what? Sooner or later, 90 years old, needs a kidney transplant. Now. They do it now. All right? People with certain, you know, uh, conditions don't get approved for transplants. Even if it would make them live another 50 years, they don't get approved. Wrecked Pinto. You have to fix it. You can't just give somebody a wrecked car and say, well, you didn't have a car before, but now you do. If it just sits up on blocks in the backyard. I'm just saying. So anyway... Uh, future shows, I'm hoping to do a lot. I want to, you know, go out and, and, and uh, liaison with the locals or however that works. Uh, get Ben back on the show because that's, you know, something that should be done. And uh, I really want to get, uh, I didn't get to do it when I went to KC, uh, KCF, but I want to interview GFM Band because, man, the energy. I... I don't think I had that much energy when I was in my 20s, but whatever. Their music is phenomenal, and their their drummer, she's 17. She made me want to just put my drumsticks down and retire. Like, how are you playing like that at 17? There's drummers in bands that are more established than yours that can't play like that. Good grief. Completely energetic band, and I love that they're touring with both Christian and non-Christian acts. Kudos to you, ladies. Go out there and kill it. Just kill it. Slaughter it. We'll bring some of their music to a fruit a future. <laughs> That's great. Future show. A future show. Because that'll be great. What was that? I'm not even sure what that was. See, anyway. Um, do I have... I, maybe I have time to grab one of their songs. I'm going to uh, see if I can find... Maybe. There it is. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'll leave you with one of their songs because they're absolutely fantastic. I love them to pieces. They are great. Um, That is the wrong one, actually. Well, that's got the lead-in from uh, the Ironworks, which is my radio station, so I'll use it. Um, Let me uh, drag this here. Boom. I'll let you listen to the the lead-in it's really cool um i when i met them at kcf i said hey you guys want to do a lead-in from uh the ironworks and they were like yeah we'll do a lead-in so check this out and then i'm gonna 
tap out and um, leave you with your own thoughts and uh, hopefully uh, another show coming up soon. Okay, that's not with the lead-in. So this is Framing My Perception off their latest album, Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh, These Ladies Rock. I'm Vince Wilde. This is the Vince Wilde Show, and I am out.